0: Before we get started, a little bit of missions update. We did get a, a, a prayer letter from the Blands family. I believe Mary put it in her mission book already, but a uh, new prayer letter from them. And uh, they're doing real good. And uh, also, we did send support to Miranda Williams. Um, she's going to Australia for uh, from June 28th to July 24th with uh, Pensacola College where she goes to school. And they're going on an Australia mission trip. And they will be in Brisbane, uh, where uh, our current missionaries are, um, the Marshall family. We support them in Australia, and I'm, they're going there as well. But uh, there's, here's a, a information about it in one of the prayer cards. You can hand it around there. And our video stream on Facebook doesn't seem to be working good today. I don't know what's going on with it. It keeps refreshing and messing up. So uh, if you're watching online, I apologize. There's nothing we can do about it. It's just uh, that's the way it it is today. But anyway, uh, that's not going to hinder us from preaching what the Lord has for us today. And uh, y'all can look at that uh, after the service or something. And uh, we'll go ahead and get into the message. But uh, this will be part number 7 of our sermon series through the Gospel of John. And we are still in John chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verses 29 through 34 this morning, Lord willing. And we'll also be looking really close at Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Uh, When we get there, it'll be a little bit later on in the message. But uh, I've titled the message this morning, The Baptism of Jesus. The Baptism of Jesus. Uh, John chapter 1, and we'll go ahead and read our text, starting with verse 29. Here the Bible says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel, therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, unto whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the message this morning, for the reading of your word. And Lord, we're just praying now that you help us as we try to preach. Lord, just uh, uh, keep our minds, our hearts, and our focus upon your word, God. And may you do mighty work within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, last week we looked at the record of John. And this is continuation of the record of John. And remember we said that record meant uh, a witness, to bear witness, uh, is, is what that uh, actually means. Um, uh, this morning I want to look at uh, the baptism of Jesus, and one thing that you'll notice is that uh, the recounting of his baptism by John here is not when it actually took place. It's John remembering and bearing witness to what occurred when this baptism uh, uh, happened. And this baptism could have happened maybe a month or two months before these words are, are, are talking about, what that's recorded for it. So uh, look at verse 29 again it says the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith behold the lamb of god which taketh away the sin of the world so these events that occurred are the are, is the day after the events we preached on last week uh, during the record of John when the the uh, Jerusalem or the, the Jews sent out priests levites uh, Pharisees they were all out there uh, questioning John on who he was and what he was doing and who gave him the authority. And so this is the next day. And it appears that those same people are still there. They're still hanging around trying to figure out what what's going on. And some of them came to be baptized by John as we read in another gospel. And he called them a bunch of vipers and refused to baptize them. And so uh, the reason being because they weren't there to repent of their sins. They were there just going through the motions But uh, these events, like I said, occurred the day after all that, and so the same crowd's still there. And uh, like I said, John, uh, even though I've titled the message, The Baptism of Jesus, John doesn't actually cover the baptism in real time, uh, the Gospel of John. Uh, John the Baptist is recounting that time. Uh, we read the real-time events of Jesus' baptism over in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to look at that in a little while. Not right now, but in a little while. We'll look at it when we get down to verse 32 of our text this morning. So here in our opening text in John 1 and 29, John is making a declaration of who Jesus is. Look at it again. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God. So this declaration is the very reason actually that John the Baptist was placed here on this earth is to announce the coming of the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the Messiah, the promised one, the Holy One. Uh, He calls him here the Lamb of God and there's a lot of significance in that title for Jesus being the Lamb of God. Uh, The Jews were very familiar with the sacrificial lambs. They... Experienced that every day of their lives, was this, these sacrifices. And of course, we know on, on, the day, on the Passover, when they bring the unspotted, unblemished lamb before the priest, and he would, he would sacrifice the lamb for the sins of all the people. Uh, but there was also daily sacrifices of lambs. And people would keep these, uh, the perfect lambs, the unspotted ones, in a certain place so that they could be sacrificed for the sins. Uh, these were daily sacrifices the priests uh, performed. Uh, and of course, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that there would be a lamb that is led to slaughter. And so, Jesus being referred to the Lamb of God indicates that God is using him as a sacrifice. So, a sacrificial lamb has to be unspotted, unblemished, and perfect. Over in 1 Peter 1 and 19, the Bible says, But with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So we see, first of all, Jesus fulfills that um, requirement for to be a sacrifice. Uh, a sacrificial lamb has to be sufficient to offer up uh, atonement for sin. Hebrews nine and twenty six. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared. To put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So Jesus fulfills that requirement. His blood was sufficient for the sacrifice for sin. The sacrificial lamb was gentle and easy to be led to the slaughter. Over in Isaiah, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, 7, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. There, Jesus fulfills that prophecy. The sacrificial lamb had to be able to atone for the sins of all the people. So, Hebrews 10, 14, the Bible says, For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now, those that are sanctified means those that have been saved. So, if you've been sanctified, you've been washed by the blood of Jesus, by believing on him... And receiving him as your savior. So this sacrifice that Jesus. Uh, it says in, in the last part of verse 29 of our opening text. It says which taketh away the sin of the world. Notice it says sin singular. Not sins plural. That means all sin. Not just certain sins. Or so and so sins. But all sin. Um nobody specific but everyone now bear in mind that even though Jesus died for all and his sacrifice is for all the only way that you're forgiven of your sins is if you receive him and believe on his name that's what the Bible tells us in John 1 and 12 but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name so it's not just a matter of coming up and saying, well, that looks like a good thing to do. All right, I'll 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 be forgiven since he's forgiven the, all the world. No, it doesn't work that way. It's just like if a millionaire got up or a billionaire or trillionaire, whatever they are, the richest person in all the world, I don't know who it is right now. Elon Musk dropped down, I believe, second or third now. <laughs> but if the richest person in the world got on television and he said, I'm going to give a million dollars to everyone in the world. Well, if you sit back and say, well, that sounds great, but you don't believe what he said, you don't receive it from him, then you never get the money. You have to believe that he what he's saying is true and receive it from him. If you refuse refuse to receive it, you'll never get it. If you refuse to receive Jesus, you'll never get him. And so... You know, that's, that may be a simple way of looking at it, but uh, the gift is free, but it's yours for the taking. You must take the gift. He's not going to force, force it on you. Cram the gift down your throat. Not take you down the altar and body slam you and, and force you to get saved. It's believing and receiving. Now, look at verse 30 of our text there. This is he of whom I said after me cometh a man which is preferred before me for he was before me. Now here John's reminding those that are listening of what he said the day before as we studied up there in verses 26 and 27 where it says John answered them saying I baptized with water but there standeth one among you whom you know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. So it's obviously same people are there that's asking him the questions the day before, and John saying, "This is he of whom I was talking about. This is whom I said, you know, he's preferred before me, uh, for he was before me, even though he was born after John was born physically on this earth." Uh, Jesus has always been. He's 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 just uh, always Jesus has always been, and so he is before John. And, uh, look at verse 31. He goes on to say, "And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, am I come baptizing with water and that, and I knew him not. A lot of people get confused about that. What do you mean? John didn't know Jesus. Well, there's two ways of looking at this statement. One way is even though John and Jesus were cousins, they were born six months apart. John being six months older than Jesus here on earth, um, from all we can see in the Bible, they didn't ever meet. Except for when they were in the womb. When Mary came to visit Elizabeth and the babe leaped in her womb. You remember that? And so uh, we don't see in the Bible any indication that John and Jesus had ever met. They lived 115 miles away from each other. Uh, John is in the Hebron desert where he's he's been living all of his life. And Jesus is living in Nazareth. Uh, which is you know and been isolated there with his family and those people in in nazareth it wasn't till they both turned 30 years old that they were called by god to begin their earthly ministries and so uh from all indications they never physically met now perhaps they did and the bible just doesn't doesn't mention it but john says here this is he or it says and i knew him not now that's one way of looking at it they didn't Physically know each other, except maybe through genealogy papers or something. Make it, you know, he could look down and said, "Well, I'm related to this guy. His his mother and my mother are, are sisters or are cousins, cousins or whatever." Uh, but we don't see where they physically met. The other way is John knew there was a Messiah coming because God had told him, and God prepared him to prepare the way for him. But God does not tell him who it is. He tells him a sign to look for, but he doesn't say, now your cousin Jesus is is the Messiah, and so you be waiting until he comes around. doesn't say that. So in this way, John knew him not either. He didn't know him uh, physically, and he didn't know him spiritually as the Messiah. Either way, he, he didn't know until Jesus came to be baptized by John there around the Jordan. And look at the next part of verse 31. It says, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Uh, even though Jesus had lived among Jews all of his life, he had not been made known to them who he was. Now, his mother had an idea. Uh, that's plain from the Bible. Uh, Gabriel tells her you know, all the things that, that he's going to be. Uh, whether she fully understood that he was actually the promised Messiah or not, it's hard to tell because the Bible doesn't come out and say that. Uh, perhaps Elizabeth and um, uh, her husband Zacharias, perhaps they understood who he, who he was, I don't know, The Bible, you know it's hard to say but he's been sent to be made manifest to Israel but he's not been yet not until this moment right here when the John the baptizer announces that's who this is and so then he's done his job, he's prepared the way for the one that was coming and uh, so Jesus comes to John at around 30 years old to be baptized by John who also is around 30 years old and then John goes on to say therefore am I come baptizing with water what does he mean therefore if you see the word therefore you look what's in front of it and say well what's he talking about therefore well (laughs) therefore I come baptizing with water What he means is he's preparing the people for the one that's coming. So I prepared the people by baptizing them for the remission of sin. They confessed their sins. They repented. And they were believing in the coming Messiah. And I baptized them on that account. And so John came baptizing with water. He didn't come baptizing with Holy Ghost. Only God can do that. And there's only one that's going to be able to do it on earth. And that's Jesus. Uh, So John's baptizing people upon the repentance of sin. That's what the Bible says in Luke 3 and 3. He came into all the country about Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Uh, So this preparing is preparing Israel to meet their Messiah. And this was how John was preparing the way. That's what makes him the forerunner of Christ. Now, as we want to look closely here at the baptism of Jesus and answer a few questions here, such as why did Jesus had to be baptized, he was sinless. I thought there were baptizing people for repentance and remission of sins. Isn't that what the Bible said? Why is Jesus getting baptized? And that's what a lot of people want to know about. We're going to look at that as we continue on. So, look now down in verses thirty-two through thirty-four of our opening text. John's um, recounting of this uh, uh, event of the baptism, he says in verse 32, and John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit, capital S, descending from heaven like a dove. Notice it says like a dove. It doesn't say in the image of a dove. It said like a dove. So he come descending from heaven like a dove would descend. A dove comes down gracefully with his, his wings out, He kind of glides in. He doesn't come rushing in like a blue jay. Blue jay's nuts. Comes rushing in, (laughs) flapping everywhere, trying to get everybody he can. A dove is graceful looking as it comes swooping down. And so the Holy Spirit descends out of heaven like a dove. So John saw some kind of presence of the Holy Spirit as he came down. I don't know if it was a light or what it was. But uh the Holy Spirit comes down and look what it says, and it abode upon him. To abode means you moved in. This is our humble abode, our house. We live here. The Holy Spirit descended out from heaven and made its abode upon Jesus. It didn't go away. He didn't go away. The Holy Spirit's a he. It's a person. And so look at verse 33. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Now this is the second time we're told this is John's record, his testimony, his witness, his report. Uh, to read the actual baptism of Jesus, we want to turn over to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 3, and look at verses 13 through 17. Matthew 3, 13 through 17. 3, 13 through 17. I'm going to refresh this just in case it'll help it. It don't look. Maybe. (laughs) Uh, Probably have to redo it sometime. Anyway, Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and, lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, again, like a dove, and lighting upon him. And, lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, that is real-time events of the baptism of Jesus, which is, like I said, maybe a month to two months before what we read in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Now, in the Gospel of Mark, we also read uh, an instance of the baptism. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Mark 1, 9 through 11. Here it says, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open, and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Also, in the Gospel of Luke, we're given an account of the baptism of Jesus. Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Luke 3, starting with verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus, also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, and in thee I am well pleased. Now, notice here in the Gospel of Luke, it says a bodily shape like a dove. And so whatever this presence was, all uh, four of the Gospels mention this uh, image of the Spirit coming down. But Luke, uh, being uh, he's always the one that's real um, uh, meticulous, he's a physician. And so a lot of his writing is very meticulous and brings out a lot of detail. And so it says it descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. Now, back in our opening text in John chapter 1, John giving first hand account. Of, the, uh, of this baptism. We're not going to read it again. We've already read it a, a couple of times. But we see here that, that God himself had spoken to John and gave him a sign to look for and what to expect for the one that was the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the Son of God. It says, But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending. And remaining on him. The same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. We know that John has been baptizing hundreds if not thousands of people already. This didn't happen to any of them. Do you think John was looking at at each one to see if the sign was there? (laughs) Well it happened when Jesus was baptized just like God said it was. Uh, John knew without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was the Son of God. The promised Messiah. He witnessed the sign of the Holy Ghost descending and making its abode, his abode, on Jesus remaining there. It also says the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. Now John, we know, has been saying all along, I'm just baptized with water, that's it. Now there is one coming who's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. Only one can baptize with the Holy Ghost, and that is God. The Holy Ghost being the third person of the triune Godhead. And so uh, this sign that John witnessed was the Holy Ghost himself descending down, remaining on Jesus. The Holy Ghost didn't leave or go back up into heaven or anything like that. He remained with Jesus. Now, when you got saved, the Holy Ghost came and made his abode within you. And he remains. Now, I know this. Difficult to understand sometimes. How in the world does that happen? A person come and moved inside of me and lives there. Yes, a spirit. This person is a spirit, the Holy Ghost. And he lives within each one of us. The Bible tells us this. Now, the question always comes up whenever it comes to the baptism of Jesus. Well, if Jesus is perfect, unspotted, unblemished, never sinned in his life, why in the world did he have to get baptized? Why did he do this? Uh, So, that's an important question. So let's look again back in Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? See, even John doesn't understand at this point. What, why are you coming to me to be baptized? You know I'm baptizing with water and I'm baptizing for the remission of sins and I know you're sinless, so why are you bab- coming to be baptized by me? If anybody needs to be baptized by anybody, I need to be baptized by you. And So John's making an argument here about it. Uh, verse 15, And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. And here's the answer. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. That word suffering right there means he he did as, as was said. So, um, so do this for me now, John. This is the way it has to be. Because I've come to do the will of the Father. And the Father says, I must be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus tells him his baptism is necessary to fulfill all Righteousness. You see, even though Jesus was sinless, he was sent here to die for sinners, to take our place. So to identify with the sinner, Jesus needed to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness because he's going to make us righteous when he dies for us and we receive him as our Savior, we become righteous. And so for for all this to take place to fulfill all righteousness, And for him to identify with sinful mankind, he went through baptism. Because he bore our sins, not his sins. So this is an outward sign. He didn't have any sin. He secured our righteousness and his baptism was necessary for that. Remember, John's been preparing the way for this. And and those who repented were baptized were waiting for a Messiah that they could follow. So what's Jesus doing here? He's giving them an example or an ordinance, as we call it in the Baptist church. We have two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. This being the first one, the, the ordinance of baptism. And so Jesus is giving this as our ordinance or example to follow. Now, the baptism of Jesus is symbolic of his death, burial, and resurrection. That's, that's what it's all about. Over in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is speaking his disciples, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke 12 and 50, he says, But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Here, that baptism he's talking about with his disciples is his death. He has to be baptized unto death. And in the Gospel of Matthew, we read in Matthew 20 and 20. This is an event that we all remember. Um, James and John come to him wanting to know who's the greatest. Matthew 20 and 20. It says, Then came to him his the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my Two sons may sit, the one on the right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. And he said to them, You shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on the left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. Here again, Jesus is talking about his death. Are you prepared? If you're going to follow me, are you prepared to undergo what I have to undergo? i got to drink of the cup, the cup of God's wrath. When God pours out his wrath and fury upon Jesus, I, Jesus said, I've got to suffer that. And I've got to suffer it unto death. I've got to be baptized Unto death. is what he's, he's saying right here. And so he's asking them, are they, are they able to withstand that? And they say, oh, yeah, we are. And he said, okay, you're going to. <laughs> you're going to. But again, the baptism of Jesus is speaking about his death. So anytime you see someone get baptized, what we're doing is we are following the example. This is a, a, a symbol of what Jesus did. And what we're saying is, we have died for our sins. We've been buried in a grave. That's what baptism is, is being buried in the grave. And we come up a new man in Christ. We've risen. That's what Jesus did. He died on that cross. He was buried. And he rose again. And he, of course, ascended up into heaven to sit on the right hand of the Father. We will ascend unto heaven when Jesus either calls us home or we uh, close our eyes in death and, and, and then we'll be in the presence of the Lord. But uh, that's what baptism is. It is not to save you. Baptism doesn't save, regardless of what somebody may try to convince you of. Baptism does not save. Baptism is a, a, a sign that you have forsook your old life. You've repented of your sins. You have been buried You've buried those old sins, and been washed in the blood of Jesus, and you've risen up a new creature in Christ. That's what that whole thing is designed for, and it's just an outward sign to people: say, "I, I have, I've changed. I'm different. I'm, I'm new." And uh, so, um, anyway, the baptism of Jesus is for the purpose, of course, of giving us an example to follow. It's a Sign of his death, burial, and resurrection, and it was necessary according to him, according to scripture, to fulfill all righteousness. So, for him to make us righteous, he went through this earthly, physically, physical baptism uh, for us. And so, this is John's record that he he bared before all the people his testimony, his witness, his report of who Jesus is, and it's very important. To remember that he is the Lamb of God. So that simply means he's from God. He's the sacrifice from God. He fulfills all the conditions of a sacrificial lamb. And he fulfills all prophecy and scripture to be able to, to uh, atone for all the sins of all the world. Forgive all sins of the world for all people, for all mankind. And that's from the, the beginning of time to the present and through the future. His blood is sufficient. And he only had to die once for that. He's not like the lambs and the bulls and the goats. It took a daily sacrifice. And that was just to cover the sins. It wasn't to forgive them and remove them forever. It was a covering. Jesus' blood completely forgives. He casts your sins as far as the depths of the sea, as far from the east to the west, to be remembered no more. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the message today. I pray it's been helpful. Thank you, God, for giving us a sign, a symbol, Lord, a, an ordinance to follow, Lord, you and believers' baptism. And God, we're just praying now that you help those that's been listening. God, if there's one that's been able to listen online uh, however however means they could, well, we pray if there's one that, that's struggling today, Lord, that you'll, you'll convict their heart and show them their need for salvation. And God, we pray that you help us here at the church, help those that we support in mission work. And Lord, we want to give you the praise and glory for everything, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.